Hello everyone and welcome again to another edition of Films on Trial. This week, episode number 15, The Notebook. I'm Gav. I'm Joel. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. We are four lads from Liverpool who like to sit around and bitch about films. You could say that we are the travelling film buddies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you like that one? There was only one guy from Liverpool in the Travelling Wilburys guy. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. It's becoming a bit of a stretch now, but we have been doing this for 15 weeks. And uh, as ever, we are joined by our George Martin in Austin Ray. Hello, Austin. Hello. Okay, so if you've never heard this show before, basically we put a film, uh, we take a film and we put it on trial. It is as simple as that. There are also going to be lots of news, trivia, banter, a caption contest, some songs, and a good old quiz. Isn't that right, Dave? Yeah, we've got all of those quizzes. So before we get started, I think it's time for a bit of news, right? You're going to have to bear with me with this one, guys. Okay, hang on. <laughs> I got it, I got it, I got it. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I'm going to keep on going until I get this right and go. Hey, what's up what that one is? Uh, no, no, no idea. No idea. It's a message in a bottle. <laughs> uh, no, it's pretty it. hard to kind of find a, a song that was written about a note or a notebook, so I went for the message in a bottle instead. I probably should have practiced it before we actually started the episode, but oh well. Joel, can you tell me what your piece of news for the week is, please? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Will you please satisfy your piece of news? <laughs> yeah, now, you, now you've asked nicely. Okay, so my piece of news is that there is an LA Confidential TV series in the works. So it seems pretty much like as soon as there's a decent film these days, they, they pretty much want to make a, a TV series of, of it, sorry. Probably because of uh, kind of like the box set binge uh, kind of lifestyle that a lot of people have. Um, but I like the film, but that doesn't really mean to say that it should be made into a TV series. So um, I don't know how you guys would feel about that. Uh, I mean, I, I absolutely loved LA Confidential, so I'd, I'd be interested to see. Do any casting? Do you know who's? who's uh, it doesn't in? say. I think it's just kind of early stages. Early stages. I uh, could work. Well, I, I did see the name Kiefer Sutherland kind of floating really? about. Okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with Kiefer Sutherland. Oh, yeah, 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 I like Kiefer Sutherland. Yeah. I don't know. I, I love, like, uh, you know, L.A. Noir and, you know, set in those times. So I'd, I'd be well up for it, to be honest. Okay, yeah, I mean, I, I really like the film. I, I, I don't know if you'd be able to make a TV series out of it, though. I mean, I think they did a pretty good job with the two hours or whatever it was in the original film. So to stretch that out over, I don't know, what's a standard TV show these days? Six, ten episodes? I mean, uh, to me, it sounds like a bit of a stretch, but, I mean, if they've got the source material there. I reckon they'll be okay. James Elroy, who wrote LA Confidential, has written uh, a whole load of books set in that same kind of time, that kind of L.A. noir direct, direct, uh, director, detective sort of scenario. Um, as long as they stay away from L.A. Confidential, because I think that's been done as well as it's going to be done, but there's a load of James Elroy stuff that you could carry Add on and go and into. Bring it into. He's got a yeah. lot of material, a lot of books to go into, so if they stray into a few of those, they might be able to pull it off. Okay, we'll just ignore everything I just said then. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what's your piece of news for the week? Uh, my piece of news is I've, I've, there's a really highly rated show that's just come out called The Juice, which is by uh, David Simon, who did The Wire, who, which I absolutely loved. The Wire, I'd say, is one of my favourite TV shows, possibly the my, like the best TV show ever made, I would say. However, I would have to say that some of his other stuff he's done, like uh, Generation Kill and Treme, wasn't quite as strong, and I was I was a, like, a little bit disappointed. I thought it was going to be good, but this is getting really good re- uh, reviews. It's got an interesting uh, concept. It's um, sort of a legalization and the rise of the porn industry in New York in the 70s. And it's sort of talking about, like, you know, real estate booms, uh, you know, the drug epidemic. Um, I just think David Simon's got a really, he's got a really good reputation for like really well researched stuff, and also it's got a very strong female writing um, cast on it. So I, I think it's from the sounds of things and from early reviews, I I think this could be one of the best TV shows to come out this year. So I'm I'm very excited. Don't know how you guys feel about it. I actually really really like The Wire. 
I thought it was tremendous. I did try and watch, um, what was that thing, the, the prequel to it, The Corner, was it? Oh, yeah, The Corner. Uh, I love that, I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I couldn't get into that. Um, I, and it's probably when I, when I watched it, to be honest, it's mm. nothing about the It's quite different itself. to The Wire, if you're expecting yeah, yeah. that. It's quite different. But, I, you know, I, I was a big, big fan of The Wire, so it'll really be interesting to see what he does now, because it has been a few years since The Wire came out. Which, is, I yeah. mean, I was surprised the other day when, when I found out that it's, I mean, it's well over 10 years old now, isn't it? It's about 13, Oh, yeah, definitely. Years old, yeah, yeah. If not more. Um, yeah. Uh, so anybody else want to add anything to that? No? No, okay. not really. Right. So, uh, moving on. Sorry, Alex, but your piece of news of the week wasn't worth more than <laughs> minutes of discussion. I, I liked it. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I did as well. I did. And uh, kind of talking about... Uh, TV shows from um, people uh, adapted from people that you like. Uh, there is the first image for Neil Gaiman's Good Omens. Oh, lovely! It's been released, and that is starring David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Now, does anybody know about uh, the premise for this show? No, nope. I don't. Uh, so these the, the two. Uh, uh, it's an angel and a demon who have kind of grown up on Earth and they've become quite fond of it. And then they find out that the Antichrist is actually coming back to Earth and is going to bring an end to it. And they're quite annoyed by that, so they try and prevent it. So it's uh, it's kind of like a dark comedy sort of horror TV series I mean the images they look pretty good I mean just looking at I think both David Tennant and Michael Sheen are tremendous actors to be honest and I'm really looking forward to that I mean, I read a while ago that Michael Sheen was thinking about taking a step aside from his acting career, just a temporary hiatus to become a political activist because he's, he's very passionate yeah, he about yeah. uh, working class and uh, working class actors as well. He comes from a very small town in Wales and it's you know very kind of very underfunded and he's trying to say that people need a break because all the institutions and all the support that he had when he was a young up-and-coming actor... It's not there anymore because of government cuts. So mm. he has been a very, very big, strong voice in those communities to try and um, help, basically, to, to give his own opinions and advice and his time and his money as well. He's done a tremendous job. But it is good, as much as, as he has been doing a very, very good job doing that, it is good to see him back on the TV as well. Uh, and I think this will be a very good TV adaptation. So, uh, Alex, have you read the source material? I haven't say? read it, but I've read. I've been. I've start, I got into Neil Gaiman about a year or two ago, and I've started reading loads of his. And he, I did be, to be honest, he's not Stephen King, but he's starting to be approached. You could talk about him in the same sort of sentence. A lot of his stuff is getting adapted for TV and for film. American Gods, haven't seen it, but it, you know it, that that's just come out. Uh, Ian McShane's in that. <laughs> Our good old uh, podcast favorite, Ian McShane. Yeah. T-shirts will be coming soon. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no, I, I I really love his books and. And yeah, no, he also did the Sandman series of comics, which I think at some point I would be surprised if it isn't adapted in some way because they're very, very strong and very good. So, yeah. Okay, thank you very much. And Dave, finally, what's your piece of news for the week? Uh, it's a bit of a heavy one, to be honest with you. And if, if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that sometimes uh, diversity, particularly diversity in casting, is coming up quite a bit. It's a bit of a hot topic in Hollywood at the moment. Jake Gyllenhaal is making a film called Stronger. It's a film that's been written, uh, co-written by one of the survivors of the Boston Marathon bombing. Mm. And Jake Gyllenhaal has been cast as him, and there has been an outcry that he has been cast when this is a role that could have gone to a disabled actor. We've talked about sexism in casting. We've talked about racism in casting. This is one where he's talking about able-bodied actors being getting roles of disabled people when they're saying it should be going to disabled actors. There's been a real outcry about this in the news recently. So I just wanted to... I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know what to make of this. I see both sides of the argument. I want to know what people think. Well, you know what I think already without even asking me. I, I, I could guess. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. I think it, it should have gone to a disabled actor. I think that there are very, very small roles... Um, for disabled actors in Hollywood, in TV and in film. And when a good one does come up, it often goes to an able-bodied actor. So it's, it's, it's almost like uh, when you read the script, it's, you know, the, if there's no character definitions there, uh, do they have to be able-bodied? Do they have to be white? Do they have to be male? The, you know, it's one of those things. It's, a lot of the times parts just automatically go to able-bodied actors. And then, as I said, when a really good kind of... Uh, disabled character comes um, into into a, a film or a TV show a lot of the time it is played by an able-bodied person and uh, you know you could argue that it's well it, it gives the um, you know somebody like Jake Gyllenhaal the opportunity to really flex his acting muscles 
But at the end of the day, I mean, you know, these roles should be going to disabled no, people. I, I agree. I, I think if a role doesn't go, that it's a missed opportunity for, you know, for, for another actor who is disabled to get exposure and then maybe do a film in their own right where it's not even... Like Peter Dinklage, for example, seems to be getting roles now, which is nice, that don't seem to have anything to do with, you know, anything, yeah, you know, exactly. to do with his size, which is great to see because he's a good actor and, you know, you can watch him and not be, you know, that's not everything about him. So yeah. I think it's a bit of a missed opportunity. So yeah, Definitely. no, I agree. Well, to, I, to me, it's... Oh, sorry, Joel, what were you going to say? I was going to say I agree, but I can also see, you know, say if you see a new film and it's got like, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal on the poster, that probably adds, you know, a little bit of weight to it in terms of what you can expect, you know, from that film. You know, people might want to go and see that film with Jake Gyllenhaal in it, whereas if they use a disabled uh, person, which which they probably should do, uh, but if they have like a, a name which nobody knows on the poster, they're probably straight away on the back foot, I would say. No, I mean, you are asking a studio to possibly do with less money, which is not really in their, yeah. their way of thinking, but they should do with less money. I mean, it's, it's a moral yeah. thing rather than a business. I think the, the real clincher of all this has been that they did not even audition any other actors apart from Jake Gyllenhaal the role just went to him right, they didn't yeah. even give other able-bodied or disabled actors a chance to even audition for this role and I think that's been the clincher why people are like you didn't even try no. yeah. to, to, to me it's, it's similar to what Alex was saying there it's a case of if there was a black character in a film and it, it went to Jake Gyllenhaal and he blacked up you know what I mean that, that's, that that's, to me is what it should be looked at yeah. is, is it's an able-bodied person playing a disabled character uh, you know, you wouldn't have that if it was to do with race or ethnicity. Well, I, I say you wouldn't, but, you know, Marvel seems to be doing a good track of, uh, you know, trying to get um, people to play different uh, um, ethnic ethnicities. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, do th- I do think that, you know, that if that's true, what you said, that they didn't even audition anybody um, who was disabled, uh, then I think that is a, a, not just a missed opportunity, but it's, it's also just upsetting because it, what does that say to... Um, disabled people who want to try and um, make it in Hollywood or disabled actors you know who are trying to get their big break and they see a part like that which would be you know sort of like you know a starring lead role in a Hollywood film go to somebody like Jake Gyllenhaal without even any contest you know it doesn't inspire hope it just kind of they will you know gives you the thought of why should I bother yeah it begs the question is Jake Gyllenhaal going in for an Oscar for this one because mm. I know extras lampooned it quite a bit but there has been a bit of talk of you know if uh if an actor plays someone with a disability that the actor themselves don't have, they're a good shoe-in for an Oscar. Mm. Like actually, Dustin Hoffman. Exactly, Dustin Hoffman, uh, Eddie Redmayne, Daniel Day-Lewis. The list actually goes on. I actually saw a statistic. Uh, the percentage of Oscars that have been given out for acting to people who are playing uh, someone with a, a disability which they themselves don't have, 16%. Really? Really? 16 That seems alarmingly high to me. It does. Yeah. Uh, be it a physical disability or a mental disability, people who play those, uh, despite a disability they don't actually have, see, do seem to be a shoe in for the awards season. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Dave. Uh, okay. So that has been the news. <laughs> my big fat sausage fingers, man. It's, it's a hard job. Somebody else wants to try this. No, no, be no, my no. guest. No, no, no. Okay, guys, moving swiftly on to another regular topic of the show. It is the trailer slash poster of the week. And I think we are all in agreement that this week's trailer that we're going to discuss is The Foreigner, starring Jackie Chan. So uh, this is the tale of a man who is visiting Ireland and his wife and family? Or is it just his wife? Uh, certain members of his family. Wife and, f- and kid, isn't it? Is it yeah, are, are, are killed by an IRA terrorist is he am i oh, making this up don't know about that don't you know about that some type of terrorist is well uh, maybe I, I i thought it was set in the 90s is it not have i just completely made that up apparently it's based on a book that was written around the early 90s so uh, okay there's every possibility it could be but yeah how did you feel were you excited about it i think it looks great yeah. I think it looks really good. I mean, Jackie Chan has made... He's always, often... The, he, he's an action star. But more recently than not, he's been doing um, comedy action. Yes. And this looks like a serious action film, which could be really interesting it to see. It could be. That's what I'm a little 
little worried about. I mean, I, I don't want to be the only negative voice in the room, but I often am. So, so. <laughs> that's, a, that's a shock. <laughs> We're all used to that. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I just, I, I hope he does. But Would you feel more at ease if Chris Tucker was there, for example? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I just don't think Jackie Chan has uh, so much serious action. So, I, I, yeah, I'm not saying he can't. I'm just uh, a little sceptical, but I ho- hopefully, hopefully I'm proved wrong. Well, well, to be honest, I mean, we look at that, that sort of genre of dad actioners, and you think about Liam Neeson the first time he did a film like that was, was Taken, wasn't it? So yeah. the first time he was in that trailer, people were probably thinking, like, oh, that's Liam Neeson. He, he's usually sort of a romantic drama sort of actor. You know, what, what's he doing in this action-driven piece? I suppose, piece? yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. And, and if anybody's suited for it, it's going to be Jackie Chan, who is a, a human stunt machine. You know, he, he's, he's surely going to add some a new level of depth, I think, to this, because he'll be able to do all of his own choreography and his own fight scenes. Uh, but I, I'm really looking forward to it because it's directed by Martin Campbell. Yes. Who, as we know, is the director of Goldeneye and Casino Royale, the, in my opinion, two best Bond films of the past 20 years. Easily. Definitely. But I, I, I think we were having this discussion where I'm not sure why he isn't directing every Bond film. Like, yeah. I'd, I'd happily have that, let that happen. Oh, actually, 25 years, I've just realised, because uh, Goldeneye was 1994, was he? I can't even remember, because 20 years ago was Tomorrow Never Dies, which oh. apparently was the perfect Bond film, but <laughs> <laughs> let's not talk about that again. Perfect hey, Sunday afternoon. Thank Bond you, for clarifying it. Yeah, okay. no, I know, he often brings that up. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I think uh, it would be quite good, because, you know, maybe it's just me not keeping an eye on things, but I haven't seen Martin Campbell directing anything for a while, but I may be mistaken, though. No, I haven't either. And it, I'd, Pierce Brosnan as well, I just want to quickly mention. Oh, yeah. exa- playing a bad guy, playing against type there, I think. Yeah, it's true. This could be the making of Pierce Brosnan. This could be the career resurgence that he's looking for. Uh, carve a new career for himself as a bad guy. Yeah, he's been doing a few pretty lame action films recently, which I haven't really been watching, but I just sort of... Mm. No one has. This is yeah, why this, no, he I needs know. this career yeah. resurgence. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope that this career resurgence is better than the one he tried to forge as a musical star. I was going to oh. say, he's always got Mamma Mia too. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why not, eh? Uh, okay, so thank you very much, everyone, for the trailer slash poster of the week. Now we're going to go to the bulk of the show, which is Films on Trial. Now, if you haven't seen this show before, as I said before, we take a film and we put it on trial. And this week, it is The Notebook. So we pull the films out of a hat at random. We also pick the roles at random as well. There are four roles in the show. One of the prosecutor, the one who's trying to condemn the film and put it on the shit list. There's the role of the defense who is trying to praise the film and put it on the hit list. And then there's the role of the character witness who is just lending their opinion to either side of the argument to try and throw a bit of weight behind it. And then there is the judge who is the key to the show. They are supposed to be impartial and base their final verdict on the arguments that are put forward to them and not their own opinions, Joel. Not their own opinions. Right, just to say, as I said before, all the roles are pulled at random. So it might be a case that somebody who is prosecuting a film might actually really love it and somebody who is defending a film might actually really hate it. So, in the roles this week, we have... The judge, played by Joel. The defence is played by me... The prosecution is Alex and the character witness is Dave. So as I said before, this week's film is The Notebook, or as I should say, no, 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 there's no notebook. Do you like that one? That's good. It would have been a very different film if there was no notebook. Okay, right. So just to give everyone a bit of a brief synopsis about the film. Can I just say before we start off, is this film going to be this summer or can it be some other time period <laughs> this fall okay uh, well, do you want me to try like i've been making them all kind of zany quirky uh, teen romps would you prefer? do deep romance okay <laughs> a poor yet passionate young man falls in love with a rich young woman giving her a sense of freedom but they are soon separated because of their social differences this winter that was creepy as... sounded, sounded a bit is that thriller, your deep romance <laughs> is that your deep, deeply romantic voice it was carnal sexuality <laughs> <laughs> okay so I'm going to pass this over now to Joel who's going to be acting as the judge this week so Joel 
Okay, so notebook, obviously a, a passionate, uh, a passionate subject for for males and females alike. Um, uh, quite often when I judge, it's it's always you two. So I swear now, if there's any bullshit, <laughs> if there, there'll be a strange noise, which is which is me hitting one of them with with a wet fish. Um, so we're going to start off uh, with the defense, which I think is you, Gavin. Yes, okay, so I would firstly like to talk about the cast. So I think the cast in this film is tremendous. I think uh, Ryan Gosling and Jennifer... Uh, so Jennifer, sorry, I'm thinking of a different film there. Uh, Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams give tremendous performances. I mean, one of my main gripes about films these days is that a lot of them fail to kind of capture a good chemistry i mean you can have sort of a romance on 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 film and you know i think we've we've discussed it several times during this podcast previous films have failed to kind of show that good chemistry on on uh, within a film and i think ryan gosling and rachel mcadams do this tremendously i mean they show the ultimate young couple in love ryan uh, gosling gives a great performance as this young sort of poor guy who all he's really got is his love you know there's such tremendous character arcs throughout this this film ryan gosling goes from this young sort of happy-go-lucky guy who literally all he wants to do is go on a date with rachel mcadams and then they fall in love dramatically and drastically really quickly and then there's obviously there's there's a separation because rachel mcadams has to go to college he goes to the war and when he comes back he's this different guy he's really kind of embittered he's a bit more kind of it's 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 got like a deeper character it's almost like he is expressing the horrors that he has seen and he's brought back with him but the whole time he's been away he's been thinking about rachel mcadams similarly with rachel mcadams she shows a tremendous character growth i mean from the beginning she's this kind of young rich girl you know a bit of a snob been given everything in life and she doesn't want anything to do with ryan gosling but he wins her over he's charming that comes out throughout the film all throughout the film and rachel mcadams kind of falls for his charm and as there is that separation she moves away and there's that sense of longing you know although she moves on with her life seven years do pass when he is introduced back into the film you can see that longing she she shows that really really convincingly uh, i just want to talk about james garner and gina Rowlands as well who played the older versions of the characters who i deliver such sweet and tender performances it's truly remarkable i mean the film is is kind of split into the past and the present i mean it's it's kind of i want to say spoiler alert here but it, to me it was evident at the beginning that it was kind of an older couple talking about their younger selves and you know the way that that james garner speaks to gina rollins it's with such tenderness that I, I I thought that they must have been dating or they must be married. I mean, there's, there's that chemistry there once again. It's just so convincing throughout. And other performances, Joan Allen, she gives a tremendous performance as Rachel McAdams' mother, who is this sort of con- conniving, like well-intentioned but conniving mother. Uh, she just gives such a great performance. She doesn't want her young kind of rich daughter any, to, to do anything with Ryan Gosling because she sees him as poor there's that class struggle that is that is hammered throughout the film and she is kind of the, the one that's doing it she hides the fact that uh, ryan gosling has been writing to her and, and she basically tries to erase ryan gosling from rachel mcadam's history and she does a tremendous performance in it and also i want to say about james marston as well who delivers another great performance the fact is is that, that this isn't like a normal love story you have this this sort of thing where it's like oh in a love story you get um, uh, characters who kind of fall in love and then there's another character that's introduced maybe and he is like a, a bit of a jerk and he's the guy that everybody hates and you know like oh we're rooting against him because we want the original couple to get together but James Marston he just delivers a good performance at no point do you think like oh I really hate that James Marston because he's not a bad guy he's just a normal guy he's nice he's sweet he's as sweet as Ryan Gosling and the thing is is that if Ryan Gosling's character wasn't there at all you would see Rachel McAdams and James Marston as a really good couple but the fact is is that there's this even more stronger connection that is constantly displayed by both of the main actors throughout the film that a nice guy with a great performance like James Marston is completely overlooked and you want him out the way so this blossoming or this relationship can get, get be kick-started again 
and like some of the some of the bits in it as well I mean you know Alex might say that some of them are really cheesy but I think it's, the performances are really really good I mean the, the acting the, 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 as I said the James Garner and Gina Rollins there's that tenderness they so convincingly show like an old romantic couple who have just you know fallen in love and have stayed in love throughout and there's that scene towards the end the great performance from James Garner where uh, spoiler alert but he suffers a heart attack and he is struggling to get back to where Gina Rollins is and he is almost like you, you, you're willing him to get to Gina Rollins' bed and he's clawing and like climbing his way to get to the bed and he finally gets into the bed and Gila Rollins and James Garner their characters they both pass away together in each other's arms and it's such a sweet tender moment so convincingly portrayed fantastically by both actors and but the younger selves as well Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams they show that young couple in love it's really sweet I mean throughout it's not like that sort of um, really well written Hollywood sentences where you know you just think that obviously like a team of writers has been writing this it just seems like a genuine love a genuine connection and you know I was surprised to find out that they weren't actually dating at the time that this was filmed because it was such a convincing performance so that's all I want to say really just really tremendous performances from everybody every single person within the cast okay Alex do you want to counter that uh, yeah, I'm just. I, I think Gav might have overegged. I don't have a lot to say on the performances, but I think Gav might have overegged it a little bit, especially when he's talking about Ryan Gosling. Um, Ryan Gosling's very pretty. Um, he, you know, when you when you're saying he comes back from the war and he's got lots of the loss and the deepness and depression, I think what you meant to say is he had a beard. I don't think I don't think he really did a lot more than sort of just have a beard to show that and didn't and didn't do much, you know? Uh, it's often what Ryan Gosling does seem to do in quite a lot of his films, you know, like Drive, for example. Uh, he didn't one, grow a beard in Drive. A lot, <laughs> <laughs> what, the one in the Pines, what's that called? The, the Lost in the... Uh, far Beyond the Pines. Far Beyond the Pines. He does do that sort of just impassive, not much emotion face, which, you know, might have lent it something to... The character, but you know, I'm not saying I just would disagree that this was a great performance. I don't think it's the performance of his lifetime. Uh, I'd also like to talk about the performances that weren't in the film that possibly should have been a little bit more, which was Sam Shepard as the dad of Ryan Gosling. I think he was, you know, criminally underused. I think if you've got Sam Shepard, he seemed to be very comfortable in the role. He seemed to be doing a great job. The, the bit when the Rich McAdams uh, meets him for the first time, he, he's, he's really good. And, you know, you're thinking, where's God? Yeah, Sam Shepard's going to be... You know, in halfway through the film, I was... I was kind of devastated when Sam, when his dad died, partly just because it was just like, oh no, Sam Shepard's not going to be in this film anymore. Like you know, I was a little bit sad that he was he was underused, and I think I think it was a strong performance, and I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of it. Gav was right when you know when he's talking about. You know, at the start, I, I think it would be take quite a lot not to get the twist at the end of the film. The twist really isn't a twist. I mean, it's pretty clear throughout the entire film that you know, Gina Rowlands and James Garner are the are the main characters in the film. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I you know, I I think Gav's going a little bit more going a little bit far saying that these perform all of these performances are stonking. I I, I would disagree. Okay, um, so Dave, what are your views? On this, um, Gav has obviously said that uh, there's a lot of kind of good chemistry at play here uh, between both sides of the party, the younger selves and the older selves. Um, there's great character arc, good evolution, especially between the breaks uh, when Ryan Gosling goes to war and Rachel McAdams goes to college. Uh, the past and present split's done very well. Uh, James Marsden is as sweet as Ryan Gosling, so there's no favouritism in terms of who ends up with who. And then Alex kind of counters that, saying it, Gavin's basically over-egged it. Uh, when Ryan Gosling comes back, he, he's no different from before. There's no kind of evolution there. No, he is different. He's got a beard. He's just grown some <laughs> facial hair, uh, an impressive beard. And Sam Shepard is criminally underused, and the twist at the start, or at the end, whichever way you want to look at it, is, is too predictable, and, and it's not really a twist. I've got to say, I agree more with what Gav said than I agree with what Alex said. 
I concur with Alex that Sam Shepard was underused, but then I feel that his character would have outstayed his welcome, perhaps, had they overdone it. He served his purpose as far as the plot went, and you can't make the film three hours long just because you want to see a bit more of the actor. And I think it's testimony to the great performance that Sam Shepard gives that you want to see more of him, and you are so cut up by his death, even though it happens off screen, you don't really get that that uh, momentum from it. You do feel something there. So I think that's testimony to Sam Shepard's performance, and I think it's a good thing. The rest of the cast, I've got to say, are fantastic. You know, it's it's a brilliant supporting cast. Joan Allen and David Thornton, as Rachel McAdams' parents, do a great job. James Marsden, you can't dislike him. He's just a very likable guy. And it's it's a tricky one. Like, like Gav says, in, in another romantic film, this guy could have been the villain of the piece. This is the guy you don't want to see get the girl. You know, he's trying to drive apart these soulmates. You can't dislike him. He's just a normal guy. You know, he's not been written up to be this kind of pantomime villain. It's a very believable character, a very likable character. And feel some sympathy for him that it's not going to work out the two leads ryan gosling and rachel mcadams i think rachel mcadams nails this she gives a fantastic performance ryan gosling i am not his biggest fan i don't consider him to be a particularly great actor i don't think he's really been in many films that even though he's not he's not terrible he can act he, he he's not he doesn't give any bad performances i've not seen anything where i haven't thought you know another actor could have done that better in this however he gives a very solid performance and although he may be considered the weak link of the cast i think it's testimony to how strong the rest of the cast is that we can consider why is such a solid performance to be his weakest link and james garner and gina rollins the professionals of the film old school hollywood legends they nail it completely the chemistry is fizzing away between these two they are fantastic james garner is brilliant gina rollins plays the role so well it's it, it must be quite tricky to play uh, someone with i don't know if it's dementia or alzheimer's that a character is suffering from but it's a very tricky role to play to have that kind of switch as she remembers who she is and then she forgets again it's a it's a very challenging role and she does it perfectly these guys are professionals they're old school legends they know exactly what they're doing the cast is fantastic i can't deny that okay so it sounds as though gav's kind of come out you know swinging swinging there swinging there he does a little doesn't he <laughs> <laughs> um do you want to try and maybe pull it back even even just a little bit <laughs> or, or just concede defeat right away wow, just wow. The, the whole process uh, no so uh, is it okay if i come in with my my point now to y- yes yeah, go for it right thank you my 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 point is the realism in the film um, <laughs> realism uh, yeah, yeah. Gav, Gav really did not want me to lead with this but i'm gonna i'm gonna go with my it anyway. like you know direction judge you know, judge scenery judge, judge. script <laughs> Realism. Let him say his point, please, Kevin. Right. Uh, so, <laughs> the realism in the film is. It just it, it, there are certain points this is set in rural southern america in the 1940s and there are two real points uh, i want to bring up where it does not at all um live up to those uh, live up to its own context the first is the class issue gav talked about how you know ryan gosling comes from a poor family and joan allen you know does a performance where she's you know stopping him from you know, she doesn't want Rachel McAdams, who is wealthy and privileged, to be going and you know to be going out after a summer. She doesn't want him, her life to end up with someone whose prospects aren't so good. However, we are only ever told that his prospects aren't aren't, aren't good. There's no actual evidence in the film about this poverty that we see. It's, uh, for example, he's highly in- intelligent, seems to have insane insight into poetry. His actual work, like the the backbreaking work he does for very little money isn't shown he's just always got like a little little handsome smudge at the end of his nose to show he's been really working hard in that lumber wheel uh, lumber mill all day um they both basically seem to have had the exact same upbringing so this this doesn't actually feel what what it stops it from doing is it doesn't have a feel of it being you know a romeo and juliet sort of story where we have two characters from two different houses you know who can't meet two different worlds almost. You know, it's only when we're ever told that. I mean, he's in fact, he seems very rich. You know, he seems to be able to afford a big house. He seems to, when he's uh, living with his father, they don't seem to want for very much. Uh, and they're sort of having, I feel like the people who are making the film are having their cake at eating it. They're just saying he's poor, but they're not showing 
any of the issues that actually poverty brings. So he's, there's no lack of education, there doesn't seem to be any lack of food for him, and there doesn't seem to be any lack of opportunities, considering he seems to be able to own a ranch when he's, when he's older without too, much issue, too, too, too many issues. So the realism in the sense that the, like, the class issue is just ridiculous. It's used in the film, but it, it's not believable within the film, and it's quite a key point that you, you, don't, you just don't think that this guy is actually poor and is actually any different from Rachel McAdams. Another point I'd like to bring up, and I was really looking forward to bringing this up today is the diversity in the film and i'm really really looking forward to bringing this up as smiling gav, at me so hard <laughs> as gav is going to be rebutting this point uh, i mean this is set in 1940s rural south and i feel it's incredible that the film doesn't even make a passing reference to racial issues that were going on at the time uh, it's there also seems to be a very quick there seems to be a very quick scene uh, at the beginning where you have um uh, Sam Shepard, and you just see a little shot of his home, and it's basically uh, like black and white families together having a little shindig, and it's just, basically it's just to show like, oh, they're not racist, you know. Even though you would think possibly being in 1940s the rural South, it would be very, very, you know, it would be kind of like it was very prevalent at that time for it to be a racist society no they're not they're because they're nice people so you know it's it was a serious social issue and they just sort of passed the book a little bit and went past it so you could actually watch this entire film and not know i'm not saying that they should have centered the film around it i know if they got into it too much it would stop being a love story and you'd start getting into it a bit about social issues but i just feel the fact that they don't make any reference to it any time when it was such a huge issue at the time makes it particularly unbelievable i'd also sometimes um there, there is a little there is a problem with diversity in this film um the cast is pretty much completely white except for servants in the film and uh this is made particularly um it's particularly bad in the nursing home at the end when basically all the people serving food and all of the people uh, you know all the people doing sort of like the minor jobs in the uh in the hospital, in the residential care home, are all black. But when there's an emergency and someone needs a doctor, guess who turns up? It's paging Dr. White. So Dr. White Man comes to the rescue and turns it. So, you know, everyone else, they, you know, everyone else is fine doing all the minor jobs. But when there's actually a serious medical issue, let's make sure we get a white man to come and solve it. I just think it was a bit of a, bit of a clanging error for the film to make. Like, like I say, just to finish my point, I don't, I don't want them to centre the film on these issues, but I just ignoring them would either mean, if you don't know about the issues before, it means you'd have a wildly, historically inaccurate view of 1940s rural South, or you do, like me, just feel like this is just the context, the setting of the film is a little bit of a fantasy land. Interesting. <laughs> you know, it's like, what, is it week 15 and this is the first time anybody has ever brought up race against me? Like, it's, <laughs> I, I cannot believe that like, I've defended some stinkers, man. And, you know, it's... But, you know, uh, yeah. Well, thank you very, very much, Alex, for that. Can I, can I rebut, Joel? Uh, no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, go on. Okay, uh, so yeah, just talking about the realism of it. Um, I, I, yeah, so I want to talk about the the, the film itself. Uh, okay, it's not very realistic. It's a it's a love story. It is in, in a way fantastical. It's not like your as you said. It's not Romeo and Juliet. It's not Romeo and Juliet. It's uh, said Rolio. Then but it's not. It's not Romeo. <laughs> Copyright <and> issues. Juliet. <laughs> uh, you know, it's this is a different type of love story that was seeing and you know it's 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 different it's it's not like you know you, you said about the, the class struggles okay yeah he's constantly referred to being poor but you know it, it doesn't have to show it doesn't have to show every single aspect of his life i mean you know just because that character isn't shown on the toilet are we to just think that that character didn't go to the toilet for 40 odd years you know what i mean we don't have to see every aspect of his day <laughs> I, I, that wasn't my point if anyone was <laughs> i could see it in your eyes i could see it in your eyes uh, so yeah i mean and maybe it's the thing of yeah okay he uh, isn't he isn't actually poor but it's the way society treats him like he is poor like in uh, Joan Allen's eyes he is more inferior and he is of a much lower class than her daughter but is he really I mean maybe it's just a case of people telling him you're poor and you can only do these jobs and you can only have this but as we're shown he is an intellectual he, he does read poetry he's always reading what Whitman is it he's always reading poetry he's always kind of quoting uh, good music as 
well. You know, this is this is a guy who is clearly intelligent. And as you said, he doesn't want for anything. You know, he is quite content with what he's got with his dad. You know, and maybe it's just a case of everybody saying, oh, you are beneath, you know, your, your standing. Or, and maybe it's just because he's getting compared to the people that are around him. And so uh, when we're first introduced to Rachel McAdams and her friends, they're all very, very wealthy. And, you know, if we, were supp- if we as, as, as four lads here, were to stand against Rachel McAdams and her friends in that film, we'd be very, uh, you know, inferior... With with regards to money in comparison to them but would that mean that we're uh, of a lower class probably not but we may feel that way in comparison to them so maybe that's what that is and your second point about racism in the film i'm not going to defend the film to be honest because i do think that it is a very very poor showing of uh, of ethnic uh, ethnic um, kind of uh, diversity in the film uh, especially in the latter scenes I mean the thing is is that you know you said oh the, the people who are working in the nursing home well you know they, they are kind of a mixture of people of medical professions so it is a case that they do have um, African American actresses and actors in the background and you said that some of them are doing the kind of menial jobs but you know there are white people doing the menial jobs as well and I think maybe it is just a case of it was just you know a white actor playing the doctor it wasn't a case of oh yeah we're we're going to show something here but with regards to the past yeah i mean maybe they could have focused on that more especially at the time and the place that it was set i mean so southern uh, you know the, the southern part of america at that time was uh, you know a, a big hot pots you know it was there's a lot of, 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 of racial tensions at the moment uh, just leading up to the war as well uh, and yeah, I think they could have covered that in a bit more detail. But the fact is, is that it's it's a love story about two people, and the fact is, is that those two people are taken from a book. You know, so they're, they're characters that are kind of already taken from a piece of literature that's already set. So the characters are already set there. And the fact is, is that it is she is a kind of wealthy um, daughter of, uh, of of a wealthy family, and you know, he is just a kind of um, you know just a, a, a poor man's poor man you know and maybe if it was going to be like a mixed racial cast that might have added a whole new level to the story to me i think that would have added like a a, a really interesting aspect but maybe he he was going for believability maybe the thing is is that he wanted to do a, a love story and if he was to add a mixed race relationship into it would that have changed the story in a way how believable would that have been in 1940s southern america you know i mean i because I, I think it would have been like a very good point but at the end of the day it is just a love story and it's a really good one at that i mean this this isn't just your kind of as i said bland love story before where you know they kind of they fall in love they separate a kind of a douchebag comes in who's like kind of stands in the middle between true love it's it's like a, it's one that deals with so many different levels as dave before it, it deals really effectively explores the horrors of, of alzheimer's of uh, of loss it shows you know like kind of the loss with, with true love as in like when they first meet and they first meet and they fall in love they lose each other and then they return to each other but then later on in life they lose each other again because um, uh, Rachel McAdams or Gina Rowland's character suffers from Alzheimer's so it's almost like they've lost each other again and every day um, James Garner is recounting their love story to help her remember and fall in love with him again and she does every single day and it just goes to show you the lengths that James Garner's character will go to and the lengths that love will go to Uh, and you know I think it's just a tremendous 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 film and it's really uh, emotional as well there's so many different parts you mentioned about Sam Shepard's death I mentioned earlier before about the two characters passing at the end there's some really great scenes in it as well the scene where um, the, where, the, where he's talking about he, he wrote to her every single day that's such a like that passionate embrace in the rain that's such a fantastic scene the scene where they're dancing out in the street it reminded me of singing in the rain I mean the whole sort of film had a sort of great Gatsby type vibe to me I don't know whether that was intentional or not, but the fact is a, a kind of a working class guy falls in love with somebody who's a bit richer than a, um, then goes away to the war, then reinvents himself in a way and then kind of um, goes back to it. You know, it, it, there was just so many magnificent pits. And uh, as I said before, you know, the really great chemistry uh, between Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams. What I quite liked about it is that there was some bits in it that were just seemed really genuine. Like when they were talking, when they were at the beach and they were talking about uh, being a bird, you know, that, that's not like really great Hollywood script. That's not really kind of cutting lines. That's just two people just goofing around. And that's what you get in relationships. It doesn't have to be great quotations, everything, you know. 
like Oscar winning lines. These are just like kind of conversations that you'd have with the other half every single day. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's. We it, should be so lucky. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's it, to me, it's just a fantastic love story that shows you, you know, it, you know, the death isn't scary just as long as you're with someone who you love. You know, it's a fantastic tale that is told really well. Okay, Dave. So before Gav burst into tears, um, <laughs> so Alex's points were that it's it's a rural Southern America. It doesn't really live up to its own context. Ryan Gosling comes from a poor family. There's no kind of evidence shown for this. You're kind of told everything rather than actually shown. Um, the diversity being in the 1940s, there's no reference at all to, to any type of racial issues. They just kind of skim over the whole thing. All the, all the white cast um, have all like the, the good jobs and the, the African-American black actors all seem to be doing um, the minor kind of skivvy work. Um, Gav comes back saying it doesn't really necessarily need to be over, over, overly realistic. It, it's just a, a love story. You know, it's a tale about two people. Uh, it's very emotional, kind of tender. Uh, plenty of examples of scenes uh, where that's the case. And he did say that the, the racial tension is poor, but it follows the, follows the literature and, and, and overall it's just about the two people. Uh, to be honest with you, Gav took the words right out of my mouth as I was listening to Alex's arguments, although he's phrased them very well. I don't think there's much merit to him. I'm sorry, Alex. Uh, the st- what you're saying about um, Ryan Gosling coming from a poor background that's not pop- properly displayed, yeah, he's poorer than Rachel McAdams. I mean, Gav's right. He'd, he's not poverty-stricken. They do have a house. They do have well-paying labor jobs. It's just they are working class. Uh, Their the means just compared to Rachel McAdams' family, who are disgustingly rich... They are poor by comparison. They're not quite on the on the poverty line. The depression is over by the time this film is set. Um, when it comes to the the southern context, while that's not really explored, it's there's not really much time to do so. You only get so much time in a film, and this film is about the relationship between two people. It's not an epic. It doesn't try to be an epic. It doesn't try and look at social situations. It just focuses on the, on what it's got to do on the subject matter, which is the relationship between these two. There's not really much time to delve into other stuff. It might have been rewarding if they had, but there's no need to do so. Um, the black actors, you say, they're, they're working in skivvy jobs. At the end, I, I think you see what you want to see there. I don't. I think you're reading a little too it, much it, into that. It, it's more. It, it, I, I don't think it's as much the about them having the skivvy jobs. It's more just when there's a serious medical crisis. Whoa, there, there we have Doctor White Man. Basically. White people can be doctors. Is that a yeah, genuine I think you just see. I think you're clutching at straws a little there, man. I'm sorry. I do think these arguments are clutching at straws a bit. Uh, I agree with Gav. What he's saying that the focal point is the relationship between the two of them, and there are some beautiful moments. And you talk about diversity in the cast. The, the supporting cast, good as they are isn't that big the supporting cast basically consists of their parents and one or two friends and them it's about the couple it, the focus is on the relationship it's not on the surrounding issues it's not on the context it's about the relationship and the film just focuses on that it doesn't get distracted maybe it would have been rewarding like i say if they had but there's no need for them to do so okay so before a short closing statement i'll just pass it over to gavin uh, okay, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do the closing statement and then I was going to do a, a nice little quiz, but I think I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it uh, while you're collecting your notes. So just as a closing statement, I'd like to say that this is what it is. You know, this is a fantastic love story. I mean, if you're going into this thinking that you're going to get, you know, action set pieces and, you know, witty dialogue, you know, just watch it for what it is, which is a fantastic love story. I think that the cast in it delivered fantastic performances uh, all across the board. Both the older and the younger uh, versions of the couple are absolutely fantastic in the film. And I, I think there's a reason that this has become one of the most beloved love stories of all time definitely within the past 15 years this is you know there's a reason that so many people like this film and because it is genuinely a really lovely story that's told really well it's beautifully shot as well there's some fantastic scenery in there uh, the director i've forgotten his name now dave nicholas uh, uh, nick Cassavitz. Cassavitz. yeah yeah mm-hmm. who uh, i only found out was the bald guy from face off which is quite happy is. Yeah. Is he? Yeah. yeah uh i think he does a tremendous job here he handpicked the actors uh not on their name value but on their acting ability and, and that's I've, I've read an interview with him and he said at the time it, you know he, he didn't see the appeal of ryan gosling he didn't 
think he was attractive. He didn't think he was a cool guy. He didn't think, you know, he was a big name. Uh, but he hired him for his acting ability. Similar with Rachel McAdams as well. And I think both of them are really fantastic actors. Rachel McAdams specifically as well. And, you know, the, the, there is some really beautiful scenery in there. The scene where they row out into the lake and it's surrounded by geese. The scene, as I said earlier, when they're dancing in the street. The scene where they're kissing in the rain. Isn't there a scene in, in the bath as well? There's a scene in the bath which Joel <laughs> is referring to. It's actually the poster for this week's episode, which is uh, Alex and I recreating a tender, <laughs> loving moment uh, in the film and in real life as well. You, uh, should, you should grow your beard back, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it's a very, very well shot film. Beautifully told love story, that's all I want to say. Okay, Alex? Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just going to go back to my points, which was, you know, this... This could have been a better film if it had been slightly more realistic. You know, that's why I had realism as my main point. Uh, I, I don't feel that the main premise of the fact that they are split apart as a couple is because of his status in life, and that isn't really brought home in the film. His his poverty. You know, it's, I, you know, Dave was saying that maybe he wasn't poor, maybe she was just filthy rich, but I th- I do think the film just doesn't. I think the film is trying to say that he is poor, he hasn't got a lot, but it just doesn't quite hit the mark on that, which which is a little bit of an issue for the film, since though this is meant to be what drives them apart, and this is a serious point. Uh, and I, I do think the fact that this is basically a, a period drama and the overarching issues that, of the time... You know, um, for example, you know, Forrest Gump was set during the Vietnam War and it's brought up, you know, within the film quite well, but it doesn't affect and it doesn't take over the entire film. It can be done where the social context can be brought in just a little bit, just enough so you believe it, just so you know that that is an issue. And it is a more believable context for the film without overdoing it and taking over the entirety and it becoming a film about racism in the rural South. You know, it, it didn't have to be Mississippi burning, but it could have been a little bit more uh, believable from that from that point of view. So that is that is my argument. I think like that's a bit of a stretch comparing the Notebook to Forrest Gump. I mean, the Forrest Gump was all about that guy living his life. It, you know, that, that that's what that was about. This is this is a romance. A romantic tale about a, a young couple, uh, regardless of the background, regardless of the setting. You know, it, this is just about those two. With Forrest Gump, it's about him and all the experiences in life that he has. Yeah, but it's more believable because of a historical context, and there was no real historical context to the Notebook. If, if I could just say, when I, I used the term before, I said the, the Notebook isn't an epic. That's why it doesn't have to look at the social issues. Forrest Gump was actually the epic I was thinking of. Or was it? Yeah, <laughs> when, oh I, when I was comparing I it to... should have a different example. <laughs> that was the one I was thinking, because that film is basically about one man and his involvement in all the social changes and the American history that goes on over the, those decades. That was the epic I was actually <laughs> comparing it to in my mind. That is a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so, while, while Joel is just collecting his notes and collecting his thoughts i thought we could have another quiz how'd you find that uh something that i forgot to do last week was actually uh do the little biffy song at the beginning of the quiz did we not remind you no and i'm gonna keep on doing it just for that uh so okay ready for this one okay quizzes how we do it <laughs> quizzes how we do it quizzes how we do it yeah okay it, these are getting better thank you honestly so you don't give me enough credit you know <laughs> I, I remember when it was just four guys talking about films and now i've got to think about biffy songs as well <laughs> okay so as as we well know this film is adapted from a nicholas sparks novel from 1996 if you don't know nicholas sparks he's an author that deals with love stories and with loss and loss in love so uh, what i'm going to do now is i'm going to name 10 um, things and you've got to either tell me if they are a Nicholas Sparks novel or a Justin Bieber song so uh, this is a quiz I like to call Bieber or Griever uh, <laughs> So please, <laughs> I, I'm really enjoying these parts. What was oh it, Chesty Stabby or Downton Abbey last week? Yeah. I'm really enjoying these bits. What was that again? Say again. Uh, Bieber or Griever. Love it. Okay. Love it. So you, right, you've got to tell me if uh, these are just a Bieber song or a Nicholas Sparks book. Dave, The Wedding, is it Bieber or Griever? Griever. Okay. He sounded so confident. I'm going to go with Dave. Uh, Joel? 
Justin Bieber. Oh, no, it's a griever. I'm sorry. The Wedding is a Nicholas Sparks novel. Okay, uh, next one. Bieber or griever? True believer. Bieber. Bieber, definitely. Yeah, it's got to be Justin Bieber, surely. No, it's a Nicholas Sparks. Oh, it's a griever. It? It ah. if, if I just say it with confidence, people tend to follow me. <laughs> okay. Uh, change me. Bieber. Grieber. 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 Justin Bieber. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right there, Joel and Dave. It is a Justin Bieber song, Change Me. Okay, this one, okay. Uh, Bieber or Grieber? Favourite girl? Uh, I'm going to say Bieber again. Yeah, Bieber. I want to say Bieber, but I'm going to go with Grieber. Oh, no, it's a Bieber. I'm sorry, Joel. <laughs> okay, next one. Love Yourself. That's an instruction, by the way. I'm not that, <laughs> that, I, th- I actually have heard that Justin Bieber song. I'm pretty sure that's a Bieber. Griever. Uh, Bieber. Uh, no, it's a Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, okay. The Lucky One. Uh, I'm going to go with Griever. 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 Yep, Griever. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about The Longest Ride? Which is also Joel's porn pseudonym. <laughs> I get a new one every, every episode. It was Winona um, Wider. <laughs> I'm going to go swiftly moving on with Griever. Uh, Griever. Uh, Bieber. Uh, yeah, it's a Griever. Uh, okay, Runaway Love. Uh, ooh. Uh, Bieber. Griever. Bieber. Uh, yeah, Bieber. Yeah. And the last one, The Best of Me. Uh, I'm going to go with Bieber again. Yeah, I'm going to stay with Bieber. I'll go Griever then. Yeah, it's a Griever. Oh, <laughs> well done, Joel. So, uh, it's a, yeah, Dave, I think you did quite well there. That wasn't bad. Well, well done to the other two. Seeing as I've never read well. a Nicholas Sparks book or listened to a Justin Bieber album, that wasn't bad. Well, you seem quite confident with a number of those Justin Bieber songs. To be Morgan Freeman does a really good dramatic reading of that song. Oh, that, that should have been another one. A Bieber, Griever or Freeman. Uh, okay, uh, Alex, uh, what is your piece of trivia for the week? Okay, so my piece of trivia for this is that actually when The Notebook first started filming, Ryan Gosling and Rachel McAdams apparently really did not get on at all at the beginning, and Ryan Gosling actually tried to get her removed from the film. But I think as time went on, they got on a bit better. Because they dated for about four years, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, afterwards. (laughs) But apparently at first they did not get on at all, and that's according to the director, yeah. So once again, that just highlights the tremendous Don't use my trivia against me. Don't use my trivia against me. Thank you very much. Alex gave me more ammunition there before Joel makes his final decision. Hopefully the correct one, eh, Joel? (laughs) Okay, so, well, I think everybody is getting better at prosecuting and defending the films both the arguments were good but i think you know you can always tell when a film is a decent film because i felt alex you were kind of clutching not not so much clutching at straws but doing your best to to pick at things which you would probably just gloss over when you were watching it um so it's kind of obvious that it it is going on the hit list. Gavin's arguments were oh, entirely do not, convincing. Do not play another <laughs> goddamn song. <laughs> do what not do it. I can see him ticket. What would you think? Getting on YouTube song? already as he saw that was going. Son of a bitch. Thank you very much. Dick. I just want to say thank you to everyone who believes in me. Everybody who said that they don't think Suspiria should be on the shit list. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, thank you very much, Alex, for, uh, for putting up such a weak fight. Uh, uh, I, I, that's that's unfair. Come on, that's that's unsportsmanlike. No, no, no. To be fair, to be fair, I was just much better. Uh, so. <laughs> Can anyone start speaking apart from Gav? <laughs> Please. Uh, no, so sorry, guys. Sorry, I, I am only joking with my with my mock arrogance here. Uh, I do actually want to go around the room and get everyone's general opinions on the film. What are your genuine opinion, Joel? Well. I think it's safe to say it's probably not aimed at us for as a, as a demographic. But that said, when you watch the film, it is like a very kind of emotional film. And I think it is done well. But like I said, you know, I, I'm not going to watch it again. Okay. 
Thank you very, very much. Very uh, uh, that was mine to lose there, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, Alex, what was your genuine opinion on that? Uh, Joel, Joel said, you know, he, he was pretty spot on with what he said about my arguments. Um, I, when, when it first came out, I was prosecuting a notebook. I, I hadn't heard it, and I'd just gone along with a lot of what people said, which is like, oh, you know, it's a chick flick, and, you know, uh, it absolutely shot my heart out. I was basically a mess. I loved I proper loved this film. I do, I do, I, you know, in this podcast, I never try and actually say something I don't believe in. But although I did think, I do think Ryan Gosling was pretty good and it was more than his beard. So if you're listening, Ryan, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, did think, I did think you were better than just, just your facial hair. But he'll sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I, uh, no, I, I thought this was really, really well done. I do think it could have, I do think there could have been a passing reference which would have made me a bit happier. Um, but no, I, I thought the story was fantastic. Fantastic. I, I thought like James Garner and Gina Rowlands were absolutely brilliant. I felt the way they dealt with her dementia was really well done. Um, I, and I found it very affecting and um, really, really surprising. So I'd really recommend everyone to watch it. Okay, Dave, what did you think about the film? Uh, as character witness, I was pretty much true to myself anyway. Um, I enjoyed it, as you probably could tell by the fact that I backed up most of your defensive arguments here, Gav. <laughs> no, I really liked it. I thought it was uh, very well written. It, it, it's almost... people. One of the big criticisms I heard about it was that it was manipulative in how emotional it was. And I think that's unfair. It doesn't actually quite go that far. Mm. It's actually a very good film, very well written, brilliant cast. And uh, another little bit of trivia, just to tag on to Alex, is uh, did you know the actual um, inspiration for the story that Nicholas Sparks had with his uh, wife's grandparents. Aww. Yeah. Aww. When he met them, they'd been married 60 plus years together and they uh, they loosely inspired the story. And you've just been slagging that off, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Barely, in fairness. How do you feel about that, Joel, with your ice cold heart? <laughs> Don't even give a shit. <laughs> I actually said it was very emotional, which it is. Yeah. Just that I've got no desire to, to watch it, it again. It was very emotional. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Gav, what did you think? I, I agreed with, with both you and Dave. I thought it was really good. I Honestly, I, it's one of those films that I just thought, like, oh, I'm never going to watch. Just because, you know, once again, as Joel said, the demographic. But I, I did actually want to watch it because I was, I was quite curious. And as I said before, I think the cast is tremendous. I, I love every single person in that cast. I think they're tremendous. And when I sat down to watch it, I was like, actually, you know what? This is a really good film as well. It's a good, it's a good story. And it was very emotional as, as well, uh, as you said, towards the end. I mean, uh, apart from Joel, I can't imagine anybody watching that without feeling something or shedding a little tear. <laughs> I can just imagine you just shaking your head furiously, like, there wasn't even one fucking explosion in this. <laughs> So I just dropped the F-bomb again. <laughs> Man, uh, it's back on the know, explicit yeah. content. Yes, yeah. we are. Basically, uh, we've, we filmed uh, two uh, episodes back-to-back, -back and uh, the F-bombs have just been coming out left, right, and center. <laughs> sorry, I think like I opened the gate on it. <laughs> you so. did. You opened the floodgates, and now they're all fucking pouring out. <laughs> but, uh, Alex, what would you like to say? Sorry, just one last thing. I love. I literally love it. Considering I watched it wanting to prosecute it, I loved it so much, I ended up watching the special features at the end. Because <laughs> I, I do say I wanted more. And uh, the special features will annihilate any feeling you want but it's actually quite interesting so if you have a dvd it's by the editor and he's talking about the deleted scenes so if you get the deleted scenes and look at the commentary the guy's really interesting can't remember his name now but he he, he just talks about why scenes were in and why not and they were, yeah just from a film buff's sort of point of view um it was really interesting so yeah check him out well thank you very much guys it's been a very very good show in this week uh i just want to talk about the caption contests so uh, this week's uh, caption was that scene i was speaking about before which was ryan gosling and rachel mcadams rowing out into the lake and they are surrounded by geese which i thought was really like a really great scene i mean like, if that was done today i always say that if that was done today in my day you know it would just be, you know be cgi cgi geese everywhere man <laughs> but you know this is like real geese they use real geese and everything honestly <laughs> I couldn't believe it I was like look at that all those real geese anyway so um, so we've had a couple here uh, so um, here's one 
when you said uh, get our ducks in a row this is what I thought you meant <laughs> <laughs> and there's another one here very very similar vein uh, when I said duck down this is not what I meant <laughs> <laughs> so I think they're the joint winners there from Arthur Sixpence and what the Craggers saw although I'm very very disappointed that nobody made the connection between gosling and geese I thought somebody oh. would have said oh. when I said I wanted to be surrounded by gosling this is not what I thought <laughs> that's what I thought anyway uh, so yeah draw a close just to say that we have pulled the next film to be reviewed out of the hat and it is going to be the original Blade Runner so that is very very uh, I don't know I mean how, how do people feel about that uh, I'm so, yeah I don't know I you know I've uh, I'll, 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 I'll wait until we know our roles but I am a little yeah I, I, I'm I think it's a it film again. that divides people isn't it it does doesn't it yeah, yeah. it's seen as a classic by many film students but yeah we'll see Okay, so as the judge, we have Alex. As the defence, we have Dave. In prosecution, we have me. And as a character witness, we have Joel. So let's all get researching, hey, guys. Just to say thank you very, very much to everybody who has listened. Uh, We really, really do appreciate all of the listens that we've had so far. We appreciate all of the comments and the feedback and the ratings and the likes and subscribes. Please don't repeat the F word that you heard. Yeah, uh, yeah, please do not repeat uh, the F word or the word BAPS. (laughs) (laughs) If you ever want to see a pair, do not use the word. (laughs) Surely, surely there is a better word to use than BAPS. Uh, so we just want to say thank you very much guys if you want to follow us on Twitter you can we are at Film Trials please send us your your ideas your suggestions for films just to say that this week's film The Notebook was a suggestion that was made by one of our friends on Twitter Uh, so please send your your suggestions in because we would love to put them on trial Uh, also you can you know send in some comments or some feedback as well Uh, also if you while we're talking about twitter if you want to give our graphic designer a follow he is winston sang at the underscore quirks as i said before this week's photo is probably my favorite oh yeah i mean you knocked it out of the park on this one it was a good one yeah uh, and not only because it was great how he managed to uh, photoshop your on my faces onto ryan gosling and rachel mcadams but it just reminded me of happier times that we had together <laughs> all times so most of us probably are blocked from memory <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. it brought back memories for me as well i'm normally the one behind the camera so. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, also as well if you, uh, please give a follow to our fantastic sound engineer mixer music guy uh, uh, lad guru uh, <laughs> just just general boss mate uh, Austin Ray who is on Twitter at Aussie Ray uh, also, uh, if you want to give us a listen on iTunes, we are Film Trials. Uh, sorry, Films on Trial. And if you want to give us a listen on SoundCloud, it's www.com. Uh, frig, I, I'm just losing it all now. It's soundcloud.com. Just Google it, basically. Films-on-trial. Instagram, Films on Trial. Facebook, Films just on Trial. Google, Google Films on Trial and we'll be there. YouTube, Films on Trial. Better go on Google and type in... I have to, I have to you know, concede the defeat here. Go on Google and type in Films on Trial and you will find us. So until next week with uh, Blade Runner, we will be in your ears. So thank you very much again, everyone, and goodbye. Goodbye.